Welcome to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Eric Capelli. We're in a new sermon series this month called God Is. I love the God of the Bible. And the Bible reveals God kind of progressively as we read through the scripture. It's a theological principle called progressive revelation. You and I get to experience this God by reading the Bible and having the word of God be illuminated to us so that we can comprehend who he is. Today in the sermon series, I'm going to be speaking to you about God being our banner. As I was preparing, I'm thinking, great, like what a concept. You know, like God, our healer, like we get that, but God being our banner. But today I'm going to get into the meaning of that and why God would reveal himself in that way to you and I so that we would ultimately understand this powerful God that we serve. When he revealed himself in this way, it's through the Hebrew language, and the word that he ascribes to himself is Jehovah Nisi. The word Nisi stems from the word Ness. Ness in the Old Testament is translated as a pole, and it was a pole that was lifted up with an insignia attached to it. In a battle, opposing nations would fly their own flag on a pole at each of their respective front lines. This was to give their soldiers a feeling of hope and a focal point. This is what God is to us, a banner of encouragement to give us a hope and a focal point. I believe that in this time of our church, of our nation, of who we are and where we're on, the the kind of calendar of life, that you and I need a hope and we need a focus more now than we ever have needed before. We have a country that goes in all kinds of directions. You're either right or left. The moderates are almost dead. I'm one of the last ones standing. And so in that nature, what it truly means, not only to be American, but what does it mean to be a Christian? And more than what does it mean to be a Christian? See, because the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It is a matter of power. It is the demonstration of Jesus in the world in which we live. And God is looking for a few good men and women to stand up in this age more than any other age and say, I pledge allegiance not to a flag, but I pledge allegiance to Jesus. I pledge allegiance to his word. I pledge allegiance to a kingdom that will never be moved and never be shaken into a savior who saves through and through. If you could stand with me this morning as we read the Word of God in Exodus chapter 17. As we stand and read the Word of God together, we see where God reveals himself to the children of Israel in the midst of their despair as the Lord, their banner. Starting in verse 9 of chapter 17, Moses said to Joshua, Select some men for us and let them go out and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. While Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, but whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. When Moses' hand grew weary, they took a stone and they put it underneath him, and he sat down on it. Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. Verse 15, and Moses built an altar and named it 
the Lord is my banner. God bless you. You may be seated today. I thank God for these stories from the Word of God that show us what this is all about. Desperate times don't only call for desperate measures. Desperate times call for divine interventions. They call for a God who is willing to step into the middle of your story and give you everything that you need to be victorious in him. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that you're on the side of victory? Do you believe that you serve not only a crucified Savior, but a risen Savior who is coming again? Come on. Do you believe that you are a citizen of heaven? Help me out this morning. Do you believe you're called? Do you believe you're chosen? Do you believe you have a holy destiny? Do you believe that you are a child of the Most High God? See, when you believe those things, you speak that way, you walk that way, you act that way. No matter where you are, no matter what country you live in, no matter what laws are in your land, when the power of Jesus is flowing inside of you, kingdom authority flows everywhere around you. The three things I want to bring to your consideration this morning as we look at what it means for the Lord to be our banner. The first one being, in order for the Lord to be our banner, our sign of hope and a future and a victory, we first need to go through kingdom acculturation. What is acculturation and what is that all about? Well, anyone that's from a different country understands that to be an American does not mean just getting on a plane and coming here. Being an American learns that you get to know the culture, the ways they do things, the things they don't do, the topics they talk about, the ones that they avoid, the foods they eat, how you celebrate a birthday or the lack thereof, how you go to a restaurant or a store, how you order at a drive-up window, how you do or don't respond to politics. That is all ingrained and encrusted into the fabric of our being. And so when people come from somewhere else, it becomes this whole process of what it means to be an American and act like an American. But see, the kingdom of God requires that same acculturation process. See, when Israel faced the Amalekites in battle at Rephidim, it wasn't with an overwhelming force, an experienced army, or the best of commanders. They were a transient tribe of herdsmen escaping from slavery in Egypt and traveling uncertainly to a promised land they had not seen for 400 years. They were trespassers traveling through the lands of fierce fighting peoples. They traveled with women, children, herds, and their possessions. And their battle was for survival, for hope, and for a future. There's nothing different about these people. There's nothing different about them that should not be different about us. See, what God did in our life, in your life, and in my life, he didn't just deliver us from a pharaoh in Egypt. He delivered us from the hands of Satan. He delivered us from the power of sin. And he is preparing a place for us that where he is, we may be also. And as we travel to that place, we might not have a lot. We might not have houses or land, or maybe we've got a a lot of those things, but if we do not have the risen Christ working and moving through our lives, we are deceiving ourselves. See, we're on our way. We're on our way to Canaan land, the new Canaan, the new hope, the new Jerusalem. 
And as we travel there, we need to do it with hope in our hearts that we might not have all the resources. We might not have all the best equipment. We might feel like we're on the weaker side of the story. But if my God is for me, then who can be against me? We serve a great and mighty God. And the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verse 6 through 8, shows us about Israel coming into their identity, coming into who God called them to be. It says in verse 6, For you are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the people of the face of the earth. The Lord has his heart set on you and has chosen you, not because you were more numerous than all people, but because you were the fewest of all people. We live in a world and even in a society that is completely perplexed about the Jewish people. They don't understand what side of the story they're supposed to stand on. They've made it into some political ideology. Listen, the Jewish nation and what is going on among the Jewish people is not political. It is spiritual. It is thousands of years of prophecy that are being fulfilled before our very eyes. And when God looked to the people of Israel in the Old Testament, he heard their cries out of Egypt, and he delivered them with a strong hand. And they served through Christ as an example to you and I of what it means to be a people that were unwanted, unloved, uncared for, not even thought about. See, while you and I were in our sin, while we were in our slavery of sin, when we were under the power of the devil, while we were enemies of God, Christ heard our cry. Christ heard the cry from the depths of your heart, and he allowed himself to be that banner, to be lifted up for all men to see that all those who call upon the name of Jesus would be saved. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And his voice cries out for you. His voice still cries out for us to stand and know who we are in him. The other thing that's needed to walk in the power of the kingdom is what I call kingdom nationalization. Now we know America is a very nationalistic country. No matter what way people want to slice the dice, we love our flag, we love our music, we love our national anthem. People from other countries are amazed. They fly their flags at certain buildings on certain days of the year, but we fly our flag every day of the week. We wear it on bikinis, we have it on coolers and flyers. Some of them think it's somewhat almost like sacrilegious. Like how could you have a flag on a towel and lay down on it? But we love it, and we love the sense of nationalism that comes with our country. And believe me, I get a few tears whenever something happens in our country and that flag begins to wave. Oh, say, does that banner yet wave for the land of the free and the home of the brave? That's touching. But see, God wants us to be touched by the matters of his kingdom more so than the matters of our own country. Does his kingdom matter more to us than the state of affairs of America? Come on, church. Sometimes we get stuck on stupid. See, Israel did not fight its battles alone. No matter how inexperienced or overwhelmed they were, they were never underdogs. No matter how desperate they felt, they were never at a loss. The great general, the perfect protector, the Lord was with them. 
The very name used in Scripture, again, is Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. Moses experienced both physical and spiritual victory with the Lord's banner waving over them in battle. The book of Isaiah goes on later as the people of Israel are settled into their land. The prophet Isaiah begins to cry out to this people. See, they've lost their identity, even though they're a nation and they've got an army and they've got money and they've got political alliances. They are lost. And so Isaiah cries out to them and says, do not put your trust in chariots. Do not put your trust in your financial resources. Do not put your trust in your political alliances, but put your trust in the Holy One of Israel. Later on, as the Israelites are returning from a second captivity again, as they come into the promised land and as God is rebuilding their nation, the prophet speaks to them and he says, it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Where is our fighting strength, church? Are we fighting in our flesh? Are we reacting to societal changes all around us? Are we getting all emotional and angry? Are we getting bent out of shape or even disappointed? Are we afraid of what's going to happen to our economy? Well, I hope not. See, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. See, when you serve Christ, he is the firm foundation. When you serve Christ, you are at victory all the time. When you serve Jesus, he gives you all that you need and then some. 1 Peter 2.9 calls us into this naturalization process. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Come on. The Bible doesn't get any better than that. You were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're no longer a victim. You're no longer oppressed. You're no longer the underdog. But because of everything that Jesus did, even though you are not a Jew, even if you are, God bless you, but we all need Jesus. We all need him. It is only through Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, that every single one of us can be saved. See, he is the answer. He is the promised hope, and he will continue to be that so that all may be saved. The third thing I want to draw to your attention today is what I call kingdom patriotization. What does that mean? It means being patriotic about something. See, someone can come to a country, they can enculturate themselves, they can fly a flag, they can do all those things, but it does not mean that there is an emotional response deep inside to that nation or that country. It doesn't mean you're loyal. It doesn't mean that you show your allegiance and your respect to that place. It is not a heart issue. And see, the kingdom of God needs to be a heart issue again. We've got more than enough people in America that go to church. We've got more than enough people that sing their songs on Sunday morning. But what we need are believers that stand in resurrection power seven days a week. What we need are people that live for Jesus with everything in them. It's got to be a matter of the heart. 
And in the Old Testament, as the people of Israel were coming to God, he says to them at one point in the book of Joel, tear your hearts and not your garments before me. Anyone can put on a religious show. We've got enough people in America that love religion. They love church. They love buildings and certain songs that stir their emotion. The Holy Ghost is not a clown to entertain you. Jesus is not a nice poster that you get to look at. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are the triune God that created this world that we live in. And Jesus himself offered himself as the only form of resurrection and salvation for all of us. This is not a joke. This kingdom is not like an earthly kingdom. It cannot, and it will not be shaken. When Moses built the altar and called it, the Lord is my banner, he created a place of remembrance, a celebration a victory, an expression of his thanks. He was making a declaration, one that any follower of Jesus can share today. The Lord is my banner, and we are the Lord's. It was a declaration not just of who God is, but what he has done, but of who were, we are as his people. John chapter 3, verse 14 through 15 shows us the moment in the scripture that we realize that Jesus becomes the fulfillment of Jehovah Nissi. He becomes that banner. And it says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus went to the cross because he loves you. Jesus went to the cross because he believed in you when no one else believed in you. And so he calls out to all the world, believe in me, even though no one else wants to believe in me. Believe in me when you were scorned and rejected. Believe in me when people don't get you. Believe in me when your family and friends abandon you. Believe in me when you are faced with moral decisions in your work that go against the word of God. Are you willing to stand for me because I was crucified for you? The son of man must be lifted up. And Jesus lifted himself up to become salvation for all. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 through 26 shows us that we are to remember the cross every single day. Paul says the following to the church in Corinth. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. On the night that he, meaning Jesus, was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup and after supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, Jesus being lifted up wasn't only a one-time deal. Every time we gather, every time we're together as believers, we are lifting up Jesus. We are lifting up that cross, and we need to lift up that cross in our homes. We need to lift it up in our schools and at our work. Lift Jesus up. Lift him up in your life. How do you do that? By remembering the ultimate price that he paid for you. You are not bought through the blood of lambs and goats and sheep and heifers. You have been bought with the precious blood of the one and only Son of God.
never forget. We look at 9-11 and say, never forget. But let's look at the cross and never forget. Never forget what Jesus did for us. Let's stand with one another this morning. If the altar team could also make their way to the front, we'll pray for those who need prayer at the end of service. Colossians 2 verse 15 shows us something very powerful that happened in Scripture. It says, and when he, meaning Jesus, had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in the cross. Sometimes, like I said, we can get stuck on stupid. And the reality is, is we are not necessarily culturally in danger. We are spiritually in danger if we do not realize that Jesus is our banner. Why? Because we think that the enemy and the forces of evil and sin and immorality are going to get the upper hand. But the scriptures show us in Colossians 2.15 that on that cross, Jesus disarmed powers and principalities and rulers and forces of wickedness. Do you understand that you are on the winning side of the story when you know Jesus? Do you understand that Jesus has more power than the devil? Come on! that stop living your life like they're equals. That's why we sing it. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Jesus does not have an equal counterpart in the devil. Jesus has triumphed over him and his work. You are on the winning side. I want to pray today a collective prayer with one another. After I'm done with that prayer, you are officially released and you can go into the lobby and do all kinds of fun things that are out there. But after service, if you need prayer, the altar team is here to pray for you because maybe you are going through a struggle and you need the Lord to fight this battle for you. And there are people here to pray with you and for you so that they can believe that the Lord Jesus himself is that banner that is waving over you. There is victory on every side. Let them pray with you and help you in that. I'm going to stand in front of you, and as I read, you can repeat it after me, but let's pray together as one body. If you're watching from home or listening online, you can join me. After I read every little part, you can repeat after me. Lord, help me to recognize the spiritual warfare around me and to be aware of the enemy's battle tactics. Give me the strength to fight while flying your banner over it all to claim victory. You are my Jehovah Nissi. And I thank you for the brothers and sisters in Christ who will raise your banner with me. And if we could go to the next one, the victory belongs to you. And we lift your name high in the face of both physical and spiritual attacks from Satan. For you have sovereign authority in all. Thank you that we can follow you with full assurance. Amen. Amen, church. We serve a mighty God.
We serve a mighty God. If you are here today and you do not know Jesus, we invite you to come to these altars so that these people here can explain what it means to be saved, what it means to have Jesus fighting for you. We bless you this morning. If you need prayer for anything, physical healing, spiritual healing, finances, a fight in your life that you're praying for God's victory, come to these altars. Let us pray for you. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. Head to BethelCC.org to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel Christian Church.